0: So, hey, uh, wasn't here last week. Uh, we were, Nancy and I, up in Portland uh, visiting Matthew. Sarah came down from Seattle, had a, a really great time. I listened to uh, Ken Zell's message, it was fabulous last week. If you were not here, go online and listen to Ken's message. It was great. And got to watch my son play a couple basketball games. And uh, at last Saturday night, he got in in garbage time. It was garbage time, but he scored seven points. So I was like, yeah, so it was pretty awesome. But here's the best thing about going up there last weekend. Just gonna tell you this. So over here are Michael and Tawny Harris, right there. I'm gonna cry, but that's okay. So Michael has been Matthew's uh, youth leader since sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, all through high school. They went up there last weekend too to surprise Matthew. Now, it was a part of their honeymoon. They got married. When did you guys get married? So we went for math, but we just made part of it, but we got, it was a lot of like a year. almost a year, but it was a part. They didn't really go on a honeymoon, but this was part of their deal. They'd go, well, we'll go visit Matthew. They went up and surprised him. I mean, Nancy and I knew that they were coming, so we had dinner with them on Friday night. Ahead of time, then the four of us went over to the game, and just Matthew's look when he looked in the stands and saw them there. I mean, it's so great. That is what church is supposed to be. I mean, I mean, Michael is an incredible youth leader, but he doesn't want to give talks in youth group. You don't even really like doing the games or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> what he cares about are the kids that he's gotten to spend time with. And, and that's what we're looking for, to be a part of children's ministry, youth ministry, and just to be with each other that we'd be willing to sacrifice. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Mm. That's what I want us to be, people that care for one another that way. So we're at this last uh, sermon on this idea of what does it mean for us as a church to flourish? What would it be like for us to really grow and to be all that God wants us to be to really flourish? And, uh, and we have been memorizing our vision statement. So, no, go back to the first one. <laughs> so what's our vision statement? We're going to say it all together. Ready? God's vision for baseline community church is to grow disciples who authentically follow Jesus Christ, so that our communities are transformed. Okay, you got it. Way to go. Keep working on it. It should become a part of who we are, okay? It should be just a part of this. This is why this is my church. This is what we do. The church is about making disciples, growing disciples who authentically follow Jesus so our communities are transformed. So, you know, like next weekend when you're at like a Super Bowl party, and somebody asks you, hey, do you go to church? Yeah, I go to baseline community church. And God's vision for our church is to grow disciples who authentically follow. Okay, right. Just It's a great, great conversation starter. Okay, just, just go for it and see what happens. But it may it become a part of who we are, right, this vision statement. So, all right. So then we've got these four sort of core values that we've gone on that, that we've been talking about the last four weeks. That is that we are want to be church that worships Jesus, We want to love one another. We want to serve together. And today we're going to talk about sharing the gospel. And that's the last one that we put in a few years ago, because honestly, when we just have those first three, it can become very self-focused. It can be just about our little group in some ways. And that is not what the church is ever supposed to be about. The church really is about helping others come to know this beautiful gospel of jesus so here's what i want you to do i want you to break into groups with a couple people three people or make sure everybody's got somebody to talk to and i want you to just talk about this who was one of the first people that ever told you the gospel where was one of the first places you ever heard the gospel okay who told you about it where'd you hear about it something like that you got a minute and a half to do that ready go (laughs) with <laughs> you. Oh. All right, we're going to come back together. Nice. They like talking about this stuff. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. My, um, my guess. Is uh, that's good. It's a good question, I guess. Um, my guess is that a lot of people talked about that they first heard through their parents or maybe uh, children's ministry, youth ministry, something like that. Did anybody have somebody that was not a parent or like a church person that's supposed to tell you about the gospel? Anybody else have out there? Yeah. Carl, who's yours? Uh, I went to this organization called Care to as a kid. Yeah. It first grade up until this years ago. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's great, Carl. Yeah. Who else had one? Someone? Yeah, Robin. Yeah, my brother, my older brother, he became he discovered the Lord during the Jesus movement, a long, long time ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah, and yeah, he came and tried to. I think one of the first things he did was try to evangelize me. And, <laughs> anybody else have someone different than yeah, Michelle um, many people along my um journey uh that God planted in my life to um direct me toward Christ it took a long time but um just many different people yeah yep that's what i guess it, a lot of folks it takes a lot of different people sharing that gospel so, We're gonna talk about what does it mean to share the gospel. Before we get into what it means to share it, I wanna just talk about what is the gospel? It's a really big, big statement, right? And it's um, gospel actually means good news. That's what the Greek word means. It means that that's what gospel is. It's good news that God has for us. I realized that our core group this week when we're talking about this is that the gospel is not easy to describe. That is kind of like a diamond that has many different sides to it, and depending on how you kind of reflect the light, you might see something a little bit different. But here's my best shot, and it's not going to be totally comprehensive, of what this is the gospel. Okay? First one starts out this way There is a God. Okay? If 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 you don't believe there's a God, then the gospel doesn't mean anything really. So there is a God, and that God created the world, created mankind, humankind. He created that humankind, male and female, in His image. And He created them out of love and for relationship with Him. Because He knows that humankind's best shot at flourishing and experiencing abundant life is in relationship with Him. And that is how He created and that's what He desired. And that part of being created as a human is that we are given free will and choice. Adam and Eve took that free will and that choice and chose not to follow God's ways but to go their own way, and we call that sin. And that sin has caused us to live in a broken and fractured world where God's original intent with life is not our way in our day. God's original intent for justice and righteousness is broken. His original intent for how we interact with the earth is broken. His original intent with how we understand our sexuality is broken. How we relate to one another is broken. How we relate to God is broken. And we worship idols throughout our life and sometimes those idols are things like money or pleasure or position. And continuing to live life in this way Continuing to live life separated from God will lead to us ultimately living separate from God for eternity. But God's plan was not that things would stay that way, and he sent his son, born of a woman at a time in history, to the Jewish people, but really to the world, and his name was Jesus. Jesus lived life as it was intended to be lived, loving God and loving others. He taught people how to best live this life and to connect with God the Father. He freed people from their sin and from disease. But beyond being just a teacher and a rabbi, Jesus was the Savior that the world needed. We can't solve this sin problem on our own, but God did it through His Son. Jesus was betrayed and arrested and tried. He was beaten and spit upon. He was given a crown of thorns. His hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. And as he was dying, he looked to his father and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, was placed on him because he would be the sacrifice for our sins. The father had to look away at that moment. And then Jesus' lifeless body was taken down from the cross and was put in a nearby tomb. But three days later, he was raised from the dead by his father. And he showed himself to his disciples. The resurrection brings hope. Hope that one day all those who are in Christ will experience new life, but also hope for today. Hope that the broken parts of life can be reconciled that in a real way, all the people of God can experience the abundant life of God's kingdom now and in the age to come. This is the gospel. This is the good news which is given to us freely, that there's nothing we can do to earn God's grace, but it has been given to us freely. And we need to believe the gospel, we need to receive the gospel, and we need to live this gospel and we experience the transforming power of the gospel in our lives. This is what the gospel is. And when the gospel intersects with our lives, we then become and have what is called a testimony of this is what God's done in my life. I was headed this way, and now I'm going this way. I was once like this, and now I'm changed. That this is truly what the gospel does. And this, my friends, is what the world needs. The world needs to know the good news of Jesus. A lot of times we think what the world needs is the right leader in place or the right laws and all those things are very helpful, but ultimately what we need in the world, what we need individually and corporately, is we need to understand the good news of Jesus and experience the transforming power of the gospel. so before you can actually share the gospel we have to experience the gospel. we need to fully grab a hold of, of what Christ has done for us and and then here's the wild thing we are God's plan for sharing the gospel we're it now, I've heard of and read about in some Muslim countries where people will just have dreams of Jesus and they come to know Jesus just through dreams. But most of the time, it's through somebody sharing the gospel with us. It's through somebody coming alongside and saying, here's what Jesus has done for me. It's God's plan. It's what he wants to do. Now, there's no one way to share the gospel. There's no step-by-step method to do that. But I'm going to look at a, an example of how the gospel was shared in the book of Acts. And I want us to think about how does this now work for us in our day and age. It's from Acts chapter 8. And it's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and here's how it goes. It's start, right before this, what has happened is there's been persecution in Jerusalem And the disciples have been scattered all around, and Philip is one of those who's been scattered. He goes to this town in Samaria and has an unbelievable ministry. Lots and lots of people come to know Jesus. It says there's great joy in the city where he is. And then God does this in verse uh, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now what's really interesting is, like I said, Philip had just had this incredible ministry in this big town in Samaria, and now the Lord tells him to go to basically out in the middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere, I just want you to go there. And so the first thing that I think we are supposed to do, and this is what Philip does, is we're to listen for God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Kind of what Mark just said in the announcements too, is who is it in my life, Lord, that you want me to share the gospel with? And I really believe this is something that our church needs to really learn how to embrace. Um, Ken talked about it a little bit last week in terms of listening to God. What do you want to do with us as a church? How do you want to use me as a follower of yours to make a difference in this world? But Lord, who is it in my life? Who have you placed in my life that needs to hear this good news? First thing is to listen. And that's what Philip does. And he's obedient, and he does what the Spirit tells him to do. And then, and then the Spirit says, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so the second thing is to draw near to people, that relationships really matter, that, that, you, that we come alongside people, and, and we begin to develop friendships with people. and We get to understand who they are. And there's lots, again, there's lots of different ways that the gospel is preached and people hand out tracts and there's radio and all that stuff. But again, I believe God's main way of sharing the gospel is through his people as we develop friendships and relationships with people. And so Philip draws near to this man in the chariot. Then it continues in verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip, I love this, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led by sheep to the slaughter, and he was a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth, this section in Isaiah. And then the eunuch says this to him, says, Philip, Uh, Tell me, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So you listen to God. How do you want to use me in this world, Lord, to make a difference in people's lives? And then you you sense it, and you go near, and you start to develop friendship and relationship with somebody. And then the next thing is you listen to the other person. You listen to their heart. You listen to what's going on in their life and where the brokenness of this world has come in and the sin in this world has affected them and all of these different things. You just listen to them and say, Lord, help me to get to know this person better. And so you listen, what is going on? And you, again, this relationship goes deeper. And then, though, you get to this point, and I love that line, where Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Told him, here's what Jesus has done. Here's what he's done in my life and told him about Jesus. Okay, somebody's beeping or something. I don't think it's me, but all right. And and here's the thing where we can sometimes kind of struggle with, is it's hard to tell people about Jesus. So there's a very famous quote that's gone around for years and years and years, supposedly by St. Francis of Assisi, which says this preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now here's the problem. Most scholars don't think St. Francis ever said that. They can't find that in any of his writings, like anything about 200 years after his time. They're not really sure. And St. Francis preached all the time. He He was talking to people about the gospel all the time. So, the, the, the understanding of it is good. We have to live out the gospel, right? If, if we aren't living out what we talk about, the words are going to be hollow. So yes, live out the gospel in front of people, but there will come a time where you have to talk. You have to say, this is why I live the way I do. This is what Jesus has meant in my life. Time and time again, when you look at Scripture, we'll see this a little bit, The the gospel is preached. The gospel is spoken. It's, It's words that then make sense to people. So Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And then this is what happens: As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. This is where the example breaks down just a little bit, is that Philip, like, flies away, but the Holy Spirit just takes him. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but yeah, that didn't happen to me. Um, So here we go. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. But here's the thing that, that Philip did that I think is so important for us to remember, is that Philip waded in, waded in. He got out of the chariot and into the water with this man and baptized him. And here's the thing. We, we, we want and need to do more baptisms here. And if, if you're a part of helping lead somebody to Jesus, then I want you in that baptismal with me, wading in and helping to dunk them down into this new life, this picture of new life. I will tell you it's cold in that thing. (laughs) I'll buy the heater, though, for us, okay? We'll get the heater so it's warmer. But, But anybody, we could do that. And more than just that, but also by wading in, what I mean is wade into people's lives. Because life before Christ oftentimes is messy, and life after Christ oftentimes is messy. And people need folks who will wade into life with them and continue to walk with them and continue to be a part of who they are. So listen for where God. And hopefully you're, you're even now thinking about that. Who is it, Lord? Where where have you put me that that I can make a difference in somebody's life? Draw near to them and listen to what's going on in their lives and then share that good news with them through your life and how you live, but also in the words. And then continue to walk in relationship with that person. Because here's the truth. One person can make a difference. You can make a difference. So I was uh, going through the book of Colossians just on my own in my own time with the Lord and I and started in Colossians one and found this section of scripture that was just grabbed me in such a powerful way and, and it fits so well with what we're talking about. So here it is, Colossians chapter one, verses three to eight or so. Here's what Paul says. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we heard about your faith in Je- Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way this gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And and I just, I fell in love with this guy, Epaphras. We don't know much about him. You know, we we know about Peter, we know about Paul, but Epaphras, what a great man. He's mentioned three times in Scripture. He's mentioned at the end of Colossians in chapter 4 where it says that Epaphras wrestles in prayer for the Colossians. I love that imagery. That this is who this man is, he has such an incredible love for the Colossians, but we don't know if he grew up in Colossae, if he just met Christ and then came, but he's the one who spoke the gospel. Most scholars believe he's the one that started the church for the Colossians. And look what happened here, because he was faithful to share the truth of the gospel says a few things. It says, first and foremost, they understood God's grace. They understood God's grace. I think we're on our next thing, Dave. There we go. He shares the gospel, and then the next thing is that they understand God's grace, right? So he speaks it. They understand it. And then, and then it says that this gospel then speaks of the hope that they have This hope that is in heaven in the future, but it also leads to this hope that we have now that leads to a life of faith in Jesus and loving others. And it all started with Epaphras sharing the gospel. And then the people understood God's grace. They understood and experienced the hope that they can have. And then it changed the way they lived, that they had their faith in Christ and they loved others And then that great line that this gospel is growing fruit throughout the world, that the gospel is what causes people to be fruitful and to flourish. But one person can make a difference. So in um, April of 1855, A dry goods salesman named Edward Kimball taught a Sunday school class for the teenage boys in their church at Mount Vernon Congregational Church in Boston. One day, a a young boy, 17-year-old came in, his name was Dwight, started attending his Sunday school class, and he didn't really like much about Christianity, didn't want to learn much, but he was there out of obligation. Because he just learned, moved to Boston, and he was living with his uncle. And his uncle said, well, if you're going to live with me, you've got to get a job, and you got to go to church. So he's going to church. Kimball, the teacher, took a personal interest in all the boys in his class, and he decided to visit Dwight one day at his job, which was as a shoe salesman in town. So Kimball walks down into town, and as he's going, he's actually talk, trying to talk himself out of going to see Dwight. Like, oh, you know what, he'll be embarrassed if I come in and see him, and probably wouldn't. And what if his coworkers find out his Sunday school teacher came to see him? I, I'm not going to go. And in fact, he walked right by this, the store by accident. And when he realizes that he's walked right by the store, he stops, turns around, and goes straight to the door before he can talk himself out of it. He opens the door, he walks into the store, and he finds Dwight in the back, putting shoes on a display. And he puts his his hand on Dwight's shoulder, and he told him of Christ's love for him and the love that Christ desired back from him. Later, Dwight would write that he had never known anybody who cared for his soul like Mr. Kimball did. And very quickly, the young man gave his heart to Christ and began to grow in his relationship with Christ. And the world, in the Christian world, knows Dwight much better now as D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, who became the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. Moody moved to Chicago. He continued to sell shoes, but he had such a passion to share the good news of Christ and that God continued to use him, and he made, difference. He made an impact all over the world. And estimates vary, But D.L. Moody is thought to have led as many as a million people to Christ over his lifetime. And the Moody Bible Institute, which he founded, continues to have an impact for God's kingdom today. All because a Sunday school teacher shared the gospel with a young shoe salesman. One person can make a difference and you can make a difference in one person's life. So I want you to think. Who is it? Who's one person in your sphere of influence? It could be someone in your family. It could be someone you work with, someone in your neighborhood, somebody you go to school with. Who is it that God's calling you to share the gospel with? First through your life, but then through words. Okay, And here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that person's name out loud. I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we're going to say that person's name out loud. And it's a way of just saying, okay, Lord, I'm really in on this. I'm not just going to blow off what Pastor Don said at church today, but I really want to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom. Okay, we ready? Here we go. One, two, three, Connor. Okay, I think we say it a little louder this time. Let's just do it a little louder with a little more conviction. Like, Lord, what a privilege it is to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom, okay? Here we go. One, two, three, Con. Good. Let's pray. So, Lord, for whatever reason, you choose to use us and help us to be reminded of that. Help us not to take it lightly and help us to do this incredible incredible job you've given us with great joy. Lord, we have a treasure to share. You've done so much in our own lives. You've forgiven our sins. You've given us purpose and meaning. You've given us hope. We can walk in faith with you. We can learn what it means to love others. Lord, it is so good. So help us not to hold back. Help us to live our lives in a way that honors you and honors the gospel, but Lord, give us opportunities to share the gospel, this gospel of grace that changes and transforms lives. It is in the name of Christ we pray, amen. So I would um, be remiss on a Sunday where we talk about the gospel, if I didn't at least remind anybody anybody that's here that has not experienced the Gospels we've talked about today, that you can begin that today, right now, where you're standing, between yourself and God, and just say, Lord, I realize I need you. I know that Jesus died for me, and I want to give my life to you. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. And that's what begins this journey of continuing to walk with Him. And I realized this week as I was putting this message together that as a follower of Jesus for a long time now, I need the gospel each and every day in my life. I need to know God's grace in my life each and every day. I need to know his love and his forgiveness each and every day. I need to love others as he's loved me each and every day, and that's the gospel that allows me to do that. But it does begin at a point in time where we say yes to Christ. If you do that today, let me know. I'd love to wade in with you on life and be a part of that. For all of us, take the words of Paul where he says that, um, that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. May that truth be a part of who we are. May that be who we are as a church. My prayer is that you would want to be a part of a church that worships Jesus, loves one another, serves together and shares the gospel. Not go to a church that does that. Be a part of what God's doing here. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you. We'll see you next week.